Greetings. Welcome to the Hi, I'm Anxious podcast. I'm your host, Katie Dahl, and today we are going to discuss part two of five of a special series with my friend and coach, Dr. Lisa Hartwell. If you missed part one, please make sure you go back and listen to it. Dr. Hartwell is an anxiety specialist who helps ambitious professionals and women in business, just like you and me, to create an easier life, even with anxiety. She'll teach us to create an anxiety master plan that can help us stop the cycle of anxiety. Let's dig into part two of five of this series with Dr. Hartwell so you can learn to create an anxiety master plan for your life. Hey, are you a high achiever who struggles with perfectionism? Do you get stuck in the cycle of overthinking? Do you do everything for everyone else because you think otherwise it won't get done? Do you feel like you should come with a disclaimer? Hi, I'm anxious. <laughs> hey, I'm Katie. Full disclosure, I'm not a therapist, doctor, or mental health professional. I'm just a career mama who also struggles with anxiety. For me, anxiety reared its head at the most inconvenient times, when I wanted to be present with my family, at those high-pressure business meetings, when I was laying in bed awake at night worrying instead of sleeping. I just wanted to relax and be able to have fun, and I know that you do too. What if you found tools to manage your anxiety? What if you knew how to enjoy life even though you are anxious? Look, it's time to put down that third cup of coffee and swap it for some lemon water. We're going to get control over anxiety so it can stop controlling you. Let's go, girl. Hi, friends. We're back with Dr. Lisa Hartwell. We're doing a five-part series where we're creating an anxiety master plan for life. If you missed out on episode number one with Dr. Hartwell, you can go back there to listen to more about her story. And I'll also have information about her, her background, and where you can connect with her in the show notes. So welcome back, Dr. Hartwell. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. I'm excited to do day two. So last um, last time we talked, we talked about uh, recognizing you have an anxiety problem um, reaching out for help and getting an assessment, and then doing some work to be able to create a plan and move forward. Mm-hmm. So what's next for us? So our next um, step and really what I, it's really a three to four step process for you folks is anchoring your high functioning anxiety with ease. And I actually, my upcoming podcast is, is titled Anxiety Ease because I do want it to be with ease because I think there's this notion that managing our emotions, especially anxiety, because it's so activating, is hard. And I do think there's an easier way than we've either been taught or that we've uh, self-taught ourselves to learn, which is what I mentioned with the neuron pathways in our first episode together, that feels hard, but we can actually make it less hard and uh, much with much more ease in our lives. And I so think I'm excited. That's, that's something, an issue that people we work with have in common too, right? Like, so we're high functioning. We do a lot. I think we're used to life feeling hard. And for me, mm. um, that was really eye-opening and working with you. It doesn't have to be. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I mean, I do say that I help ambitious professionals, right. With their high functioning anxiety to help that overwhelm and, and that anxiety, that anxious feelings, but there is something 
that I love working with ambitious professionals because it's, I kind of picture it like Tai Chi, that at some point they come to me already activated and moving. And all I have to do is, okay, let let me just move your shoulders this way. And then you can go that way. (laughs) But it's, it's easier to work with somebody who's already in motion. And that's really what ambitious professionals are. We are kind of always in motion. <laughs> That's just who we are. Whether it's and, helpful helpful right. or not to our Absolutely. own selves. Yeah, 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 exactly. We'll talk about rest probably in, I think it's episode four, but we'll talk about the importance of going dormant for a while and resting. But that's right. That's It's actually an asset that we're ambitious professionals when it comes to high-functioning anxiety anyway. And so- can we talk about that a little more too? Because um, sometimes I wonder, like, are you high functioning or ambitious to calm your anxiety? Are you engaging in behaviors to try to help yourself feel better? And they just so happen to a lot of the times be behaviors that reap a positive reward, like a, a successful mm. career or business, for example. Mm, that's such a good question. Yeah. Are you high functioning or do you have high functioning anxiety? Are you ambitious? Is that ambition creating that neuron pathway that is leading to high functioning anxiety? Is that kind of your question? Yeah. Yeah. It's a really good one. And I don't know um, if that's a chicken or egg type of question. And yeah. maybe, maybe it's a combination. Well, when you think about just basic learning theory, And especially with neuron pathways, neuron pathways only grow because they get reinforced over and over, much like we talked about in episode one with those grooves in the road. So if it's a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? So if you're ambitious, but you have anxiety along the way, but, you know, by being ambitious and successful, you get through it and you get rewarded for that in whatever ways that looks for you, that could be monetarily, that could be with relationships, that could be with, you know, positive self-worth, it could be all kinds of ways to get positively reinforced. Um, You're able to just push that anxiety on the side and say, "Ah, you just go sit over there while I go be ambitious. And (laughs) because this feels really good to get positive reinforcement for that, you're absolutely going to build that neuron pathway. They become parallel then they become parallel at the same time. Okay. Mm. So really it's probably to figure that out for yourself, you're going to have to get still and pay attention and really ask yourself the question. And that's something you teach. Yes. Right. That's right. Yeah. There is a discernment. It's something that I talk about in uh, module four of my, actually it's module five of my actual membership course the one that you helped design as well. Uh, And I talk about discernment and discernment is a skill versus an emotion. And discernment in many ways of our life, it doesn't matter what it is, is such an important skill set to learn. So you can be mindful of knowing, am I here or am I here? And we try to teach our kids that, right? About you have these choices. You can be in this lane or that lane. (laughs) And discernment is the process of the skill you learn on which lane you want to be in. And what I teach is how to be okay with managing your high-functioning anxiety parallel with being ambitious. 
I don't want to take your ambition away. That's fabulous. You're doing great things in the world, but let's have you live a long, healthy life that doesn't get, get shortened because you're, it's too tiring on your brain and your body, your physical symptoms, a system. So we can use, we can use that ambition as an asset to help us with our anxiety. It doesn't have to exacerbate it. That's right. And vice versa. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to be talking about the, um, the continuum in tomorrow in our next uh, episode, because really remember the goal is to stay within vacillating between normal. You feel great. It's okay to binge on Netflix sometimes and just relax or go on a vacation, but going from normal to stress to high functioning anxiety is kind of the goal to be able to just, you can't see me because I'm on a podcast, but I'm kind of waving my hand back and forth, which is, we're really talking about how do you exist within this continuum essentially of how life works without going on the other side of the continuum towards clinical anxiety and then full on burnout to where you can't function. That's really what the goal is. So, so how do we determine where we're at on that continuum? Yeah. So what we're looking at here is we're looking at normalizing what it feels like for you to differentiate again if you kind of want to visualize yourself what it feels like when you're just you have two young kid two young a baby and a preschooler and your husband and you guys are sitting around lounging around on a sunday afternoon in the living room and everyone's relaxed everybody's playing nobody's trying to grab toys from each other Everybody has a snack, right? That feeling of just being is very different from when you get those boys up the next morning on a Monday morning to get one in preschool, <laughs> one to your babysitter, <laughs> husband goes off to work, you go off to do your magnificent work. And then that's a very different thing, but it's not anxiety. It's still like the, just the normal stress of getting out the door. Sure. Right. And then that high functioning anxiety, I don't know if you have an example off the top of your head, but when you get to work now, I, I think actually I was thinking about when you're sharing with your child getting sick, right? Of, okay, now I got to manage this. <laughs> and right. how am I going to manage? I have a meeting to get to, or I have a, a, a client or a consumer I have to take care of. Now what? Well, then your continuum is kind of slipping over to this next level where it's starting to feel a little more overwhelming and a little more like anxiety. It no longer feels just kind of that hurried stress. Uh, you know, this is temporary. So as I get everybody in the car, we'll be okay because we're on our way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think we could all easily think of a million examples where you feel that way. I, I think of like when I met you, it was during the height of the initial COVID. Um, mm, that's right. The pandemic and people were panicking and trying to go work from home. I was in a busy day job where we were trying to deal with it there. Uh, do I send my kid to daycare in the meantime, because we don't know anything about this. And oh my goodness, what if he gets sick? Oh my gosh, my family members have lost their jobs due to COVID. Who do mm. I help? What do I do? I can't even 
get, get my head on straight. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I think I'll just stay home today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll just wear sweatpants, work in the basement. <laughs> yeah, I'm good focused. with that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, that, it flips a switch, right? And you and I kind of talked about this earlier this week about how COVID has shifted it seems some people's ability to come back to quote unquote normalcy, especially in the workplace. And some of that is around socialization. Um, I see it on the road over here. We have a lot of traffic at certain times of the day on Oahu. And I could honestly say it it feels like the the traffic feels like it's closing in sometimes because after not having traffic for two years, Essentially, I might as well be back in, you know, go to New York City. (laughs) Everybody's laying on their horns and everybody's got to be somewhere. It feels like it's just closing back in again. And even at the workplace, it feels like sometimes people have lost their ability to be appropriate socially. And is that from turning off your camera for two years and during meetings where you could kind of tune in and out, but now you're in front of people, you can't tune in and out. You got to be present minded. So you and I were talking about that, that there's this interesting piece of going from the stress of figuring out how to manage the last two years to reintegrating into this, mm, the way things were, only they're not the way the way they were. They're very different. That's so true. Yeah, I, I think it's an interesting phenomena that so many folks are going through. So I think that that would be, I don't know if that answers your question, but I think the this notion of you know for yourself what normal feels like, i.e. the the living room on a Sunday afternoon, you know what it feels like, the hurried, little bit of overwhelm, stress thing that's pretty short-lived once you get in the car and out the door in the morning, shifting that to, oh, Gosh, now I got so many things to manage where you can you can feel that radar flipping over to another switch. And one of the things I'm not sure if this is helpful that I use as a as a tool is teaching folks how to use an anxiety scale of zero to 10. And when I'm teaching folks how to rewire, when we're talking about neuron pathways, we always talk about you need to be activated. You do need to be alert. You need to have your brain awake and you need to have your brain paying attention. In order to do that, our anxiety needs to be at an average of two to three on a scale of zero to 10. Mm -hmm. Now, remember 10 is you're in the hospital. You can't function. You're full on panic attack. Life is, is literally falling apart. So 10 is high. Zero you're in the living room with your kids, you're relaxed, we're having a wonderful Sunday afternoon, or you're getting ready to go to bed and having a nice audio meditation to listen to, right? That's zero. So it doesn't seem like it would take much to get from a one to two or maybe three at the most, but that's that sweet spot of where you want to be activated, but not anxious. Mm-hmm. And when you are able to recognize that within yourself, and the reason I have people do that subjectively, because I can't tell you what a two or three is for you. Right. Your two or three is different than mine, partially because I don't really, I don't have anxiety as is a normal thing. I definitely 
uh, lean towards high functioning anxiety when I get triggered uh, from things that are problematic for me in my life. So I have learned the skill set on how to manage it, but I definitely have it. But my one or two is probably takes me a lot to get there. Interesting. Yeah. That's so interesting. And I think some of that too is um, that new level, new devil thing we talked about. So Mm. what may have been a five for me three years ago is now a three because I've been doing this work. Is that kind of the concept? Yes, it's totally the concept. And mine has worked in the reverse, which is, um, you know, I was a flight nurse and an ER nurse for years before I went back to grad school. And, you know, there I, I teach in my workshops uh, about anxiety with the concept of a C-130 doing hurricane tracking. We have a lot of we have hurricane season here. Right. So it's a big deal. So when the C-130s go up and they they get data information about hurricanes, the C-130s, which is I don't know if you know what that is, but they're the huge cargo planes okay. um, from the Coast Guard and they fly straight into the hurricane. And what they're doing is they're tracking information all the way through the storm. And what they're trying to do is to get to the eye of the storm. And I have a video that I show in my workshops, which is once you get into that eye of the storm, they're dropping little cylinders out of the plane on their way through to the eye of the storm. It's peaceful. It's literally sunny in there. It is unbelievable. There's no rock and rolling going on. They're not being thrown around the, the aircraft or anything. It's the most unbelievable situation you can be a part of and witness. All of those guys are a bit of cowboys and cowgirls up there, <laughs> believe me. But <laughs> they are just hooping and hollering because it's they're rocking and rolling as they're going through 200 mile an hour winds, right? Wow. But then once they get in and the, the wings level off, it's just quiet. That's where I used to sit all the time during every flight that I ever had. And I did thousands in, in my eight and a half, 10 year of doing that. My anxiety, it would the only time it would ever come up in that situation was maybe if a patient was crashing, but even then I knew what I was doing. So it wasn't an issue. It was probably more if the patient was crashing and the air, we, had, we were in a storm. <laughs> that was probably like, okay. Because you're bouncing too, trying to do your work. But through the years, and some of it might be age, I have felt that my anxiety, and I'm full disclosure, I'm in full menopause right now. So that might be part of it. But the idea of, I think my tolerance for things has decreased. So I have found at my, in a few decades later now, my anxiety seems to be triggered a bit quicker. Now it's not as intense, you know, it doesn't go up to a five or anything, but I have found that it takes less to get me to a one or two. And I don't think it's from burnout. I think it's from exposure and what I've come to decide in the personal and professional work that I've done on myself. I have decided that it's being exposed to a lot of stuff in my profession. And it just doesn't take much to trigger me anymore. But the good thing is, is that's what I do is I recognize I'm at a one or a two and I know how to take care of myself. So how often do you recommend or, or with what triggers 
do you recommend people stopping to do that scale on themselves? Like, okay, hey, good morning, self. Um, where am I today? Am I a zero? Am I a ten? Am I somewhere in between? Or, um, hey, mm. I'm I'm okay. I'm really stressed out right now. I'm gonna stop. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's such at. a good question. Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah. So when I have people work on this and tracking it, I say whenever they're feeling anxiety. So it's truly an anxiety scale. So you're trying to catch it. That's this step one in the anchoring of finding out where you are at personally. So if you're feeling just an iota of a little overwhelmed, because remember, you're trying to catch it early. You're trying to catch it over here on the continuum, whether it's normal or being just a bit stressed. When you start, maybe your heart starts to race a little bit or your brain, you're not focused because you feel like you're your brain can't track everything that's going on. Yeah, that's the time to sit and take a breath. Where am I at right now and why? What's truly going on? Do I feel like I'm not going to get through this? Do I feel like I've been, um, I found something offensive? Am I getting triggered by something that's a, a personal issue? I need to work on that. That's what you're doing. And is is that anchoring? You're doing that concurrently with the scale or is that, something you're doing differently after you you figure out where you're at on that scale of one to 10 or zero to 10. You're doing it concurrently. Okay. Absolutely. So can you tell us more about that? Cause we've mentioned anchoring a couple of times and this scale, mm. how do they go together? So how they go together is when you're thinking about when we, we, we alluded to this in uh, the last episode, which is the point is, is you're trying to use that anxiety as your ally. You're truly anchoring yourself in recognizing that when I can catch my anxiety at a one or a two, it's there to serve me. It's there to alert me. It's there to make me take pause, pay attention, so it doesn't have to protect you. Because if you can't take a moment to discern what's happening in your life in that moment with your anxiety, your anxiety will kick it up a notch. Mm. It's going to say, hmm, you didn't hear me the first two times. So guess what? Bing, 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 bing. You get a five. And I just imagine that kind of sounds like I don't have time to stop and (laughs) do a scale of zero to 10. I have 10,000 things to do. (laughs) I know the irony. That makes me feel worse to think about that. So it's almost immediate. I I imagine your anxiety Mm -hmm. says, okay, fine. You're not going to even stop and see where you are. Zero to 10. I'll bump you up one. There you go. go. There you go. Yeah. It's not a game show. (laughs) (laughs) You don't win any prizes. Yeah. And that's why it feels like it flips a switch so quickly. It feels like it, it does. I know I've been there. It feels like, oh my gosh, I was okay five minutes ago. Now I feel like I need to go outside and get some air mm. and get my head on straight, go for a quick walk. It's because you were taking the time to say, okay, why am I being triggered by this? What is this anxiety about? And it could be something as simple as, like I said, being overwhelmed because you have too many tasks versus somebody says something to you that you find offensive, triggers your anxiety from something in the past. So there's just, uh, it's you, it's an individual thing. If that's the case, you need to table it. You can journal about it later. Right now you're kind of staying focused. But your brain doesn't know the difference, remember. All it knows is it's taking in all of this incoming data and trying to make sense of protecting you. That's all Mm -hmm. it wants to do. 
And so this first step here, anchoring your high functioning anxiety with ease is about being able to go in and out in more of a gentle way. And then you can do your self-work later of moving again from feeling helpless to being more hopeful that this is just a time for you to grow. That's all it is. That's the next step that we're going to look at, which is understanding how these constant similar tremor uh, triggers are a theme for you that we want to kind of look at. And it all starts with that recog- that recognition. recognition. Okay. Yes. I, something is going on. Where am I? Zero to 10. And what is the thing that's making me be a three, four, five, six, seven? Right, right. Or why am I getting triggered in the first place? Mm. Why does my brain feel the need to protect me? I think that's an interesting thing to think about because sometimes I wonder too, if people, you know, do you have an interest in figuring out what's triggering you? And do you feel like you have to suddenly go deep into your childhood? Like, oh, there was a thing that happened. And although that may be helpful, really what I liked about what you taught is you didn't necessarily have to do that. Although it may be helpful in in a therapy type of setting, I would imagine there are things that you teach that you can use to just move forward now. Yes. I don't feel good now. Here's what's causing it now. How can I move forward? Move forward. Yeah. And that's the coaching aspect compared to therapy is where you at now. Let's implement because we've already done that past work already. So that's something that you would do anyway, but you don't always go back to that spot. You in theory, should have grown through that. And now you're able to recognize it and move on. Recognize it and move on. That growing. Yeah. And I like that you mentioned, again, moving from helpless to hopeful, because I think sometimes when anxiety gets you, you can feel like there's nothing you can do to control it. You just kind of grit your teeth and bear bear it, especially if you're an ambitious person, because you can usually muscle your way through just about anything. But I love the thought of not only getting away from that helpless feeling to feeling hopeful about life. And and being okay that you can have high functioning anxiety with ease. Mm-hmm. You actually can. Yeah. That's amazing. I love yeah. that. Just the message of hope. Mm-hmm. It's possible. <laughs> so what's next? I feel like, you know, we talked about recognizing you have an anxiety problem. We talked about uh, using the scale to decide where you're at. And then we talked about recognizing your trigger and then what comes after that. So we're going to talk about in the next episode of how do you assess this continuum from stress to, to high functioning anxiety, to clinical, to burnout. And, and what do we need to do in order to move through that continuum and with ease essentially. Great. Exciting. Yeah. Looking forward to help helpless to hopeful. Helpless to hopeful. Absolutely. There we go. <laughs> okay. Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I'm looking forward to the next one. Same here. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and please make sure to join us tomorrow for part three of five of this series to create an anxiety master plan for life. Also, please come join my free Facebook group so you can share how you will work to create your own anxiety master plan for life. You can find the link to the Facebook group in the show notes. I look forward to talking with you tomorrow. Hey friend, thanks for being here. Did today's episode help you feel more in control of your anxiety? 
Did it inspire you to rest or relax? Or maybe it challenged you to really look at why anxiety is a part of your life. If so, I'd love to hear from you. If you would take 30 seconds, pause this episode, scroll down in Apple Podcasts, and leave me a review, I would be so grateful. See you next week. Disclaimer, I am not a medical professional and this podcast is not providing therapy or medical treatment. Contents of the podcast are for informational purposes only and are not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always consult your healthcare provider with your health questions and concerns.